Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I'm Bill Knight. Well, it's Monday. I do get confused sometimes on the days because they just all kind of run together. I know. know, and especially with all the news that's going on, it seems like it's one, just one major news cycle. You know, it's just, it just keeps on keeping on. We were talking on Friday about, well, will there be a speaker? Will there not be a speaker? Will well, it we go, got one. Yeah, will it go the weekend? Well, it was Saturday morning early when they picked the speaker. It was the 15th b- vote. They almost didn't do it, you know, by the way. I don't know. Did you see it, Bill? The 14th I, vote I saw ended. the repeats of it, you know. The 14th vote ended, and someone got up from the uh, Republican side and did a motion to adjourn. And it, it looked like it was going to pass for a second. And then somebody must have said to McCarthy, I think we can get it through on the 15th if we just stick around. Then you see McCarthy go down to the floor and have this very animated uh, but not hostile conversation with uh, Matt Gates, who was his right. opposition. And Matt Gates is nodding in the affirmative. And finally, you see they, he nods to something, and you can see McCarthy's eyes light up. And he turns around and starts waving. I guess that when you want to change your vote, you have to raise a, a card of some kind to mm-hmm. uh, to the clerk and say, you know, I'm changing my vote, I'm changing my vote. And a lot of people did that, and they ended up voting to stay. The voting to adjourn was not uh, ratified. And they went to a 15th ballot, and six of the protesters, of the people who didn't want McCarthy who were offering somebody else in his place, mm-hmm. those six people voted present. When you vote present, that means it's like uh, you're, you're not there. It's like you're, 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 your vote doesn't count. It lowers the threshold. You know? well, let's be very clear about something, that uh, about all of this. Everyone goes, oh, it's a clown show. It's an embarrassment. Well, that's the left saying that. And, you know, they when they do something, they're in lockstep. And that tells you a little bit uh, about who they are and what they are and that they don't care about what you want. It's all about the party and a lockstep agenda. Democracy is about conversation. And sometimes it takes a while to, you know, work things out to where we get it together in, in historically. Not a single uh, Democrat, not a single Democrat wavered on their vote. They all voted uh, for the entire 15, uh, you know, votes for Hakeem Jeffries, who was their choice. By the way, thank God he's not the Speaker of the House. I want to play for you a little bit. Oh, yeah. This is Hakeem Jeffries. This was just before he introduces uh, uh, McCarthy as the new Speaker. But I want you to hear his conciliatory speech which is he wasn't happy by oh the way. no you can see that in his face and this wasn't conciliatory he it was almost confrontational but listen to the juvenile uh way that he approaches this listen inclusion over isolation justice over judicial overreach knowledge over kangaroo courts liberty over limitation maturity over mar-a-lago normalcy over negativity 
opportunity over obstruction, people over politics, quality of life issues over QAnon, reason over racism, substance over slander, triumph over tyranny, understanding over ugliness, voting rights over voter suppression, working families over the well-connected, xenial over xenophobia. Yes, we can over you can't do it, and zealous representation over zero-sum confrontation. We will always do the right thing by the American people. So let us not grow weary of doing good, for the American people will reap the benefit of the harvest if we do not give up. God bless you. God bless the House. I don't know who told him it was a great speech because, boy, that was juvenile. It's the kind of thing you would have heard at a pep rally, you know, uh, at some park somewhere. But wait a minute. Everything that he was laying claim to and accusing the right of <laughs> yes. was just the opposite. You, you picked know? up on Sitting it. Exactly. Going, you know, why didn't you just go ahead and put on a red shirt and a MAGA cap and go, yeah, you know what? I, I'm convinced we're wrong and they're right because everything that he was talking about was, you know, they're guilty of everything. Yes, that he was accusing us of. Yep, he, and that's why we won. It was a juvenile way of delivering a speech, you know, red over blue, or you know, you know, hot versus cold. I mean, he went on that list for about a minute and a half at least, and that's like it's like a pep rally speech at a high school, you know, getting but, your team ready for the. And by the way, the Democrats didn't lose a vote. That's what I was trying. I don't. He went, oh yeah, they locked up everything. Two hundred and twelve votes for the entire fifteen votes. Two hundred and twelve votes, and the what the. So what does that tell what, you about them? But what the Republicans risked, right? If they kept doing the uh, infighting, the if they kept doing the uh, protest, they risked the possibility that there would have been either defectors. Let's say hypothetically some people left after the 14th vote thinking that it was done for the night on the Republican side and they went right. home for the weekend. If you're not in that room to vote, you can't vote. So if they had gone after the 14th vote and there was some question about that, and the 212 Democrats stayed in, in the room. Yeah, he would have got it. He would have been the Speaker of the House. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so uh, the Republicans put it all on the table, risked a lot to yes, do it. they did. And, but what does that tell you about the Democrats, that they didn't waver? Are they, are, are they that sure and dead set about what they got? Or are, is it something else? I it's think almost like a dictatorship. I think you yeah. will do this and you will like it. I think there's been such a change in the party. There's been such an indoctrination in the party, you know, that they are socialist and socialists stay together. They, well, they, you know, there's research out there now that says the Democratic Party is actually falling apart. And it's in 10 years. It'll be a non-party. But that when I say that, I don't say that with glee because that also means that we're going to have the same problem in the Republican Party. The the two-party system that we have 
right. because they've gotten so arrogant and power hungry. And I say that as a warning, uh, Republicans can face the same dilemma uh, coming up in two years, uh, let alone, well, you know, 10 years. I think that there will be a, a, a party called the Democrat Party, mm-hmm. but I don't think it'll be anything like the Democrat Party that I was a member of in the early 70s and uh, up until 1980 and that my father and my mother were. It was a whole different kind of party. It was a really, it was an American party, and they was very pro-America. It, no, you. If I had ever yeah. said to my father, "Hey, Dad, uh, should we just have no border, and and like have everybody come across the border?" My dad would have gone ballistic. But I you know what? There's a lot of people today, the younger generation, they don't understand what it is that we're arguing arguing about. And why it's so important. And I wish I had the article in front of me. I, I read an article over the weekend. The things that we, you know, that that we used to rely on in the past right. that we don't have anymore. And I mean they're simple things, but what they tell you is how you know society has changed and what we put the importance on and what we've just take for granted anymore, you know, and throw it away. And I, you know, part of our education is is the history. The history is a roadmap to how we got to where we are. That's exactly right. Know that, hundred percent right. If you have no history, you have no map. You don't know where you came from. And, and it doesn't and, mean and the that everything was perfect. Te- but and the schools aren't teaching it. No, they're not. You know, I mean, now some of the things that I, I read about are exaggerations. Like, you know, we're talking about buying homes. And right now, it's not economically feasible. But the young people are going, well, they're renting. Well, rents are going up. Somebody's got to own those buildings. So they're getting other people to go in on, in, a, in on it with them, or they buy a place where they can live and rent out. But in other words, the dynamics of life hey. has changed immensely. <clears throat> Kids today don't even know how to balance a checkbook. Why? Because they don't they use don't write them. checks anymore. That's exactly right. You know, have you seen these interviews that you occasionally on, uh, like, Jesse Waters' show, where they'll go on the street, and they'll go on, onto the campus of, like, Columbia University, and they'll walk up to a student and say, uh, do you know who Jack Ruby is? <laughs> Does he play for the Giants? I'm serious. This is the kind of stuff you hear, you know? Or do you know who John Wilkes Booth is? Uh, was he a senator? I mean, they don't have a clue about history. And these are, these are not like radical-looking kids. These are kind of all-American-looking kids with their with their books. And I'm sure they're good. A lot of them are probably good students. They probably go do their work very diligently. Well, but they're not getting taught the stuff. Are they good students? I mean, I, you know, I, I see where grammatically things have changed. Proper grammar is no longer spoken. It's no longer written. Now they have that AI that's chat box that's on Twitter. It's free. It's an AI. You give it a sentence or give it a few key words of what you want to write an article about it. Kids can write a thesis that they can turn in. The schools are going, well, the kids aren't free thinking. But the the word is out there, well, why do you need that? You got it all on your phone. You know what's scary it about that? You. It, it's, the AI is dumbing down the, the student. Somebody had to get smart to make the damn thing so you could be stupid for the rest of your life. 
Well, look, it happens with spell check on your phone. Yeah, you know, look, I, I, I'm embarrassed that sometimes I, you know, grammatic, well, sometimes, a lot of times, you know, I get talking and my, my mouth gets ahead of my brain and all of a sudden I go, why the hell did I say that? <laughs> you know, or when you're texting, you know, my fat fingers on the little keys. Oh, all the time happens to uh, me. Or, or autocorrect, I'm going, I didn't type But you know that. what's amazing? Your recipient has gotten used to reading misspelled letters. Yeah. Or text messages. Yeah, and and yeah, we we've taken it up it's almost like they can interpret they can yes. interpret no We've all you. gotten lazy. Yeah, you know, and I'm sitting there going is that a crack in 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 the wall or in the in in the dam? Yeah. And it's all going to bust and break and that's that's going to be the uh that's going to be our Achilles heel that that will take us down because we've allowed ourselves to not use our own brains and think. Now, I'm not saying that the AI is not good to have, but you need to know, kind of like that roadmap, you know, how it got there. I you remember when you were a kid and you'd do math and you'd use that calculator. Man, if I got caught with a calculator in school. Man. Now, you, now you have to have a calculator. Now you got to have it. And yeah. you, you, you used to have to. I had a teacher one time. She sat there and goes, well, you know, you got everything right. Uh you used a calculator, didn't you? Well, what does it matter? Well, why don't you go up to the blackboard up there and show us how you got that answer? Have a have a have a have a yeah 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 yeah. Well, then you just you you, you missed that question, yeah. didn't you, Mister Knight? Uh-huh. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I get a do yeah. I get anything for creativity, ma'am? Oh yeah, creativity, yeah. my butt. But now, now if you take a a uh, calculus or uh, some kind of math class in college, they tell you to get a math calculator. And yeah. I, I, wh why do we need a math calculator? What's that going to do? Um, but hey, listen, these are different times, and I guess uh, we're antiques, Jim. We're we antiques. Are. Yes, we are. We're relics of the past. Yes, we but are. But I'm telling you, everything in life goes full circle. Everything. So the stuff that you're leaving behind and you're forgetting, it's going to come back one day. So who's going to be smarter? Bite the, you in the tuchus. Are we going to live in a world where the smartest thing in, on the planet are the computers, and, and and the dumbest thing on the planet are the people? Well, yeah, because what they are doing is artificial intelligence right now is going to get to the point of free thinking. Now, and it's doing that with the articles you can write. I think it's. Uh, it's oh, that's so dangerous. Chat GDP or something like that. Chat box. It's on Twitter. You can try it. You can actually sit there, give it a few lines. It will write you a paper. You can buy an AI program for 13 bucks a month. You get 100,000 words, and you can sit there. It can either write a page for you, or you can take an article of this out there, put a few extra things in it, and it will rewrite it, and it would get you an A on, on a college you know, exam. And I'm like going, the only difference that I can see is down the road, because right now it's got a pull from the internet and I wouldn't trust everything that's out there, but these machines are free thinking. And when they're free thinking, they are going to be able to, like you, think and reason and, and, and then of course the age old question, will it come a point where the machine says, well, why do I need the human app for anything? Why do yeah. I need the human? And instead of saying, hey, Dad, can I have the car keys, please? 
it's going to say, I'm taking your keys for life. And what if it says the human is the problem on the planet? Eliminate the human. Boy, that's that's a movie script right there, and we've seen it before. <laughs> yes, so, yes. Man, crazy uh, stuff out there. But, you know, and this is not fiction. This is actual reality that's going on today. Twitter, I mean, uh, you've got Musk talking about it, saying, you know, bye-bye uh, whatever it was for the schools. Right. Because the kids don't have to do anything. Well, And we're split as a society. It's almost like the abortion question. It, should it be legal or should it not be legal? Should we use AI or not use AI? And people are going, I'm an AI person. You know, it's sad. You see a lot of young people. I know a lot of young people who they spend most of their time, most of their life with a phone in their hand. Most of the time they're, and they don't feel like they're fulfilled unless they have that connection. Huh? If, if they forget their phone or if they're not talking to somebody online, instant access, something's drastically wrong. Now, I have to tell you, even being an old codger like I am right now, uh, I'm so used to having my phone with me that if I forget it in the house, I go back and get it because I don't feel like I'm connected. Now, mind you, for most of my life, uh, I didn't have like uh, a GPS device like I have on my phone. I used a map, you know. Well, uh, see, so that's another thing. Now, maps are a thing of the past because we have a phone that tells us how to go and go everywhere. People are looking at the phone. The only thing the phone doesn't have is to tell you you're about to walk into a wall, huh? You know. I used to think I was high tech when I went to AAA and got a trip tick. You know what a trip oh, tick is? Oh, I remember is? those, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Boston. Can I get a trip tick? Sure. Do you want construction or do you want no construction? Do you want tolls or no tolls? And I thought that was pretty amazing, just to be able to get a AAA and get the whole thing broken down. Now, you know, you have it at your fingertips. You don't have to go to AAA at all. Look, you know, there's amazing things out there, and it's going to get more amazing. I, I don't know about the, the gas versus electric thing. Um, I, I think there's still a long ways to go uh, with it, but, you know, it's taking over, and electric does save you money on gas. But there's it, it, didn't, it didn't when Joe Biden started his presidency. Gas was cheaper, but he screwed all that up. So I don't know how relative. I guess I don't know how electric cars are going to make it. I I have a, a regular old gas car, and I had a new battery, a big battery, put in the car less than two years ago. It's and, gone, and I had to have it replaced on uh, on Thursday or Friday, Thursday, I guess last yeah, week. Yeah, I replaced mine two weeks ago. Yeah, oh, the thing is, if you have a car and the whole means of propulsion is a bank of batteries in the back, and you leave your car out overnight and it gets down to zero, are you going to be able to start it the next day? No, you can get a new bank of batteries. Well, that's only going to cost you like a third of the value of the car when you bought it. That's a minor thing. I know. know. Hey, before and, I think... And you know what? Talking about AIs, you know, did 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 we get a president via AI? Did we, did we get a... <laughs> who, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Um, before question. I forget, you know, they, the holdouts, I don't call them protesters or terrorists right. like Dan Crenshaw did, uh, but the holdouts held out for a lot of things that were really important. And if we, if they didn't hold out, we wouldn't have gotten them and we would have had a, um, uh, 
more of a dictatorial speaker than we have now. Now we have right. a, a speaker who's accountable to a lot. I have a list here. It's only it takes about a minute and a half to read uh, some of the key points that they got that they wouldn't have gotten if they hadn't held out. Uh, members of the conservative House Freedom Caucus got commitments to be added to the Rules Committee. The committee exerts tremendous power by setting the terms of debate, but usually operates as a tool of the speaker. It traditionally has a nine to four ratio. So the majority never losers. Okay, so they got that. Uh, McCarthy had already agreed to a five-vote requirement to make a motion to uh, of no confidence for the speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they wanted something stronger than that. They wanted to go back to a single lawmaker. One single lawmaker at any time for McCarthy's term can get up on the floor and vote a no confidence or ask for a no confidence vote of the speaker, and they got to do it. Based upon Isn't that the rules. way it used to be? Yes. And who got rid of that? Uh, Pelosi. Oh, yeah, okay. You remember her? How do we yeah, forget? Yeah, how can we forget because the, uh, the media keeps shoving her in our face of how great she was. Oh, her yes. time is over. Let her move on. Yes. And let's move on. But it's not her game anymore. But you know what? Uh, as long as they control that media. Yeah. McCarthy agreed to take a hard line on increasing the statutory debt limit, which uh, Congress must lift to accommodate spending. Uh, So I guess they're going to take a look at the debt. Think about that for a second. They may actually talk about, like, balancing the budget. Can you imagine if you had your checkbook and every month you didn't balance your budget, you balance your checkbook, I mean, it would be a mess. Well, right now, our budget is a mess. Well, we spend more. Our debt is more than what we generate. You know, and they made fun of Trump during his first three years. What was it? Uh, The debt went up $3 trillion. We had a Democratic Congress. And Congress, you know, they, they love to write checks. But they're touting about that. Well, the first year and a half of Biden... Uh, the debt went up $7.8 trillion. Oh, and they don't talk about it because it was money ne- that they needed to spend. And they were, yeah, right. Yeah. And, and and the Ukraine is asking for more money, but this will be it because then the war is going to be over you after see, they we're get more a, money. A Chechen general, right? A Chechen general mm-hmm. said over the weekend that he's not concerned with the billions of dollars that Congress is sending to the Ukraine because uh, – only a third, what do you say, 15% of it will get to the front line. 15% of the Where's billions. the rest going? It's going, in the, it's going to line the pockets of the corrupt sons of guns who were, who are going to get their hands on it, you know? Uh, well, I, I, in my neighborhood, we call them something else. Yeah, I know. I, I've heard about your neighborhood. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the holdouts. Sometimes re- it's right. The holdouts reportedly got a pledge to get floor votes on term limits and border security, that's a big deal. Term mm-hmm. limits and border security it means that they may actually, I, I can't imagine them doing this, but they may actually vote to have like two terms and you're done. Or three oh, that terms would be, and That would be amazing. Imagine that. Uh, have we ever even thought of that and talked about it? Well, the people have, but the congressmen, for some reason, those congressmen, those pesky congressmen have poo-pooed it. Um the uh, conservative leadership fund, a pack backed by McCarthy, brokered a deal with the Club for Growth that will impact Republicans that join the House in the future. 
the CLF committed to stay out of open primaries. I guess they were putting money into open primaries and influencing mm-hmm. who actually got into the House. Uh, it says uh, McCarthy reportedly agreed to allow open rules on spending measures, which could lead to lengthy debates and efforts to zero out funding for programs unpopular with Republicans. Um, Another concession is a cap on discretionary spending. Discretionary spending is like, oh, by the way, we need $15 billion for something. I know it's not in the budget, but we need some more. I need a building, a post office in my town, and I'd like them to name it after Mm -hmm. me. So, you know, uh, that's discretionary spending. Republicans are... uh, are also uh, girding to take on the Biden administration and the conservatives forced a uh, commitment to set up a committee on the weaponized, the weaponization of the Department of Justice. They're going to look into the Department of Justice, you know, Merrick Garland and company. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. And at the very end, there's one that they also mentioned. They said another concession given is that there must be a 72-hour uh, period of time for the legislate for the representatives in the legislature to read a bill. The omnibus bill was four thousand pages. They got it one day. They voted on it the next day. Nobody in their right mind had the time to read it. I don't see why we have to put forth a bill that's four thousand plus pages. Uh, you, the only reason you would do that is if you're hiding something. Yeah. You are hiding something because no one can ever read that. Hey, we should point out that uh, if you would like to advertise on our program, it is a simple thing to do. There are no advertisers on the program now, and that was by design because we wanted to see how large we could build our audience and how long it would take. Well, mm-hmm. we got some idea of that, and it's, it's kind of amazing. We thank you very much. Because without you listening, you know, well, we'd be talking to ourselves, you know? A lot of American streaming sites. you got Spotify. You've got uh, Amazon, Apple, iHeart. It's all there. Plus our website. we got CRN America, which that's us. Uh, it's all there. There's even some foreign language sites that I was like going, what? What does that say? What did you tell like me about? Name. <laughs> what did you tell me? You, you did a search and it came up in Spanish? Yeah, there was, there was one. Yeah, you know, it was like a page and a half of stuff. And then all of a sudden, wait, we don't have a, we're not in Spanish. No habla espanol. But, you know, there it was in yeah. Spanish, although, you know, it was us in English. But I was like, going, oh, now that's interesting. But either wow. way, uh, you know, one of the things, because, you know, I was going to write a piece or have someone write a piece on advertising. Why advertise in a podcast? Yeah. Why would you do something like that? Apparently, when you have a podcast, no matter the size of the podcast, small or big, uh, people are four point four, um, uh, four point four more times likely to engage with that advertiser, and sixty three percent of those people that engage with that program buy from that advertiser because they're engaged with the show. And I you would know, think just, that I would think that you know not every kind of advertiser uh, is appropriate for a podcast because. Our audience is spread around the world. Now, mind you, most of our audience is right here in the United States, but uh, we have listeners in numerous countries all over the world. Yeah. If you have a cl- if you have a product, if you are 
uh, selling something and you want a, a global clientele, this might be an interesting and cost-effective way to get the, uh, the message out. And all you have to do is contact us at uh, our phone number. You'll get a voicemail, leave a message, we'll call you back. 833-538-7868 is the number. 833-538-7868. We have an email address, too. Yes, I was going to say, but wait, there's more. Uh, yeah. yeah, you can either go to uh, mail at itsanotherday.com, or you can go to mail at crnamerica.com. And you get Easy both. Easy to get by, to us, but you, you got to write us. You get both for the price of one, by the way, at least yeah. uh, initially on the uh, charter Charter oh yeah, you know if you're on if if you're on it's another day, then you're on CRN America, and that's kind of cool. You know, it's this is just a that's just a stream of all the shows. We will probably add some other programs in there, but right. if you're inside of this show, then you're on that. It's so. quite impressive to CRN America. If you haven't tried it, uh, give it a shot. I I went out and had coffee on uh, Saturday, and I had it on in the car. And it sounds like a million dollars. I mean, it's it's us. So that maybe that's I shouldn't speak so quickly. Well, they but. have people that are in, that do that mimic us, and they do a oh. better job. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, uh, so anyway, that, that is an important thing to talk to point out. If you are somebody who wants to advertise your product, maybe you sell, uh, I don't know, maybe you sell prep stuff or uh, survivalist, or maybe you yeah. are a, maybe you're a gun manufacturer and you want to advertise your product around the world. Uh, give us a call. We'll we'll make you a charter advertiser. Um, yeah. And again, those numbers. If you if you got that information we sent you, all you have to do is go to itsanotherday.com. All one word, itsanotherday.com, and you'll see it all there. All the contact information. Pretty easy. Okay, and over the weekend. Another thing happened interesting. Do you see where uh, where uh, Ashley Babbitt's mom went to the Capitol to lay flowers mm, yeah. on the steps? Didn't something happen to her when she was doing that? Yeah, they arrested her. Yeah, for what? Jaywalking. Jaywalking. Yep. Oh, man. The gall of that woman. Mind you, they gave medals to the Capitol Police for... And these are the same guys, by the way, who let... The people into the building. We have video of that. I can't show it to you because we're an audio podcast. But they, we have video of the po- Capitol Police opening the door, letting mm-hmm. them in, and standing aside. We have Capitol Police on the steps, waving the crowd into the Capitol. Come on, this way. Come on, come on. I'm serious. If you haven't seen it, you haven't been paying attention. Yeah, there's a lot of things you got to consider. You got that. You had Nancy Pelosi with text and emails that this was actually orchestrated by her. She turned down uh, the the chance to have security there. Right. You can see them sitting there up on the uh, the terrace up above, overlooking the crowd. You sit there and you see the big doors to the Capitol building. They open out. They don't open in, and they're like twenty thousand pounds of metal. And these people just pushed it open. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, it, sure it, they did. It light as a feather. Um, Tucker Carlson did maybe his best monologue on Friday, so much so that it it uh, raised the hackles of the opposition. All the other fake media was criticizing Tucker for for actually pointing out the truth uh, as to what happened on January sixth. 
and I'm going to play uh, the whole thing for you. Well, not the whole thing, but a good chunk of it, okay? This All is right. Tucker Carlson from Friday. Two years ago today, a Capitol Hill police officer called Michael Byrd shot an unarmed woman in the neck. At the time of that killing, Byrd had a documented history of gross negligence with a firearm. He left a loaded Glock pistol in a public men's room at the Capitol, which for a law enforcement official is a firing offense. But for some reason, Michael Byrd was still in the force that day. The woman he killed was called Ashley Babbitt. Babbitt was a married 14-year veteran of the U.S. military. She ran a pool cleaning company with her husband in San Diego. Physically, she was tiny. She was also unarmed. Michael Byrd later admitted he had no indication at all that Babbitt was carrying a weapon. She posed no visible threat. He killed her anyway. Under normal circumstances, Byrd would have been fired immediately and charged with murder, which he clearly committed. But that's not what happened. After doing essentially no investigation into the shooting, Nancy Pelosi's congressional police force declared Byrd a national hero, and the media strongly agreed. Byrd went on television to accept accolades and to complain about racism. He was never punished for killing Ashley Babbitt. He was rewarded for it. Ashley Babbitt's mother, meanwhile, got a very different sort of treatment. Babbitt's mother was arrested today in Washington by the Capitol Police. Her crime? Trying to hold a memorial service for her daughter. Two years later, it's clear that Ashley Babbitt is, her death is by far the most significant thing that happened at the U.S. Capitol building that day. But at the same time, it is the least talked about event of January 6th. Why is that? Well, because the facts about what actually happened on January 6th disrupt the lies, what they've told you happened on January 6th. And those lies have proven very useful to the Biden administration and to permanent Washington. On the basis of a wholly created myth about what happened that day, the Biden Pentagon conducted an unprecedented political purge of the entire U.S. military. The FBI and various intel agencies increased their control over the American media. And most obviously, the DOJ has been allowed to prosecute and jail hundreds of nonviolent political protesters whose crime was having the wrong opinions. Lies about January 6th, which have been relentless, have enabled some of the most unscrupulous people in our country to make a mockery of our Bill of Rights and to steal our core freedoms. So they can't talk about Ashley Babbitt. Talking about Ashley Babbitt makes it very clear who the real culprits are and who the real threats to this country continue to be. And they're not the January 6th protesters. So instead, they lie about what happened that day, and they do it in the boldest possible ways, without shame and with maximum aggression. Here's Hakeem Jeffries, leader of the Democrats in the House, telling you that five police officers were killed on January 6th, when in fact the real total is zero. We are gathered here to honor their memory and acknowledge with deep gratitude the tremendous bravery of the hundreds of officers who defended us at this citadel of democracy that fateful day. As a result of the events on January 6th, the lives of five heroic officers were lost. Five heroic officers were lost, he said. It's almost impossible to believe that adults could stand behind him as he said that, because everyone in the picture you just saw knows that is not true. It's not a stilted interpretation of events, it's a flat out lie. No police officers were killed on January 6th, period. Ashley Babbitt was killed on January 6th. 
But chances are your grandchildren will not know that because history will likely record the lie you just heard as true simply because it's been repeated so often. Everyone in authority has said the same thing in unison for two solid years. As our thoroughly dishonest attorney general recently put it, quote, we will never forget the five officers who responded selflessly on January 6th and who have since lost their lives. His boss, Joe Biden, repeated that lie today from the White House. These people and the people representing those who couldn't be here because they gave their lives for this did is incredibly consequential. Because that's not political talk, that's historical fact. That's historical fact, says Joe Biden, as he manufactures history, as he tells lies. They've been doing this, telling these same lies since the very first day, January 6th, 2021. Almost like it was a coordinated operation. Remember when they told you that Brian Sicknick, Officer Brian Sicknick, was beaten to death with a fire extinguisher? Officer Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the hours-long attack. They beat a Capitol Police officer to death with a fire extinguisher. Officer Brian Sicknick died after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during the fight. He died at the age of 42 after he was bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. That's not true. And in the end, thanks to the medical examiner in the District of Columbia, we learned the fact, which is that Brian Sicknick died of a stroke well after the January 6th protests. He was not beaten to death with a fire extinguisher. But that did not stop their lying or even slow them down. Joe Biden just awarded one of this country's highest civilian honors, the Presidential Citizens Medal, to officers working on January 6th. And that would include the officers who opened the doors of the Capitol building to the so-called insurrectionists. The officers who let them inside and then were rewarded for it by the President of the United States. What's going on here, you may wonder? Well, don't ask. You're not allowed to know what's going on here. Nor can you know about the very obvious clandestine role of federal agencies that encouraged the events of January 6th. That happened, but its details have never been explained. A lot has still not been explained from that day, despite a committee that was impaneled for more than a year. You know, it's amazing, for the longest time in my life, the networks used to have investigative reporters who didn't rely on something that was handed to them to read a you know a press release they actually did fact checking really went into right. de- you know what what you heard there was this uh follow the tail attitude the media has now the mainstream media they all in lockstep just accepted the fact that this uh, officer sicknick died from being bludgeoned to death you heard that by uh one of the protesters which was not the truth. Well, it goes further too because they're using that narrative to say, well, Trump was responsible for that, so he needs to get involuntary murder charges or manslaughter charges brought against him. Uh, but he, 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 he didn't do it. He didn't encourage it. He and said he it's not true. Tro- he offered to send troops. And by right, the, by the way, don't believe your lying eyes, because if you were one of the people watching what was happening on January 6th of 2021, you would have seen the protesters that were raiding the uh, the Capitol, for the most part, walking in like they were a tour group from Des Moines. 
Because they, that's how they were treated. Oh, come on in. They come stayed. On in. They stayed come within. On. You know, they had these ropes. You know that, that you walk mm-hmm. through. They stayed in those ropes. They didn't. Yeah. You know, and they didn't charge and pummel the police. The police were waving them up the stairs. Yeah, it, it was a big setup. It was staged, and we all know that. But well, no, we don't all know it because there are Democrats and or or the naive America that we have that sits there and accepts what they are told. They don't sit there and go, well, let me check for myself. Because if you check for yourself and you see something doesn't match up here, then you got to go, why doesn't it match up? And when you see that, you know, they're, they're twisting the, the, the facts and the evidence. And how does a guy like that, that Lieutenant sleep at night for what he did, you know, I saw him interview. You probably saw that same interview on TV mm-hmm. where he was being uh, uh, questioned by Lester Holt, and it was a love fest. You would have thought that he was uh, running, he was uh, eliminating snipers in the jungle or something. The way he he talked about uh, what he had to do, I saw what he did. He raised his his uh, his uh, pistol, and he pointed it at anybody who was at the other side of the glass. And, and unfortunately, it was a young woman with 14 years of service in the Air Force, Ashley Babbitt, who was unarmed, who wasn't causing trouble. As a matter of fact, behind the glass, she was trying to get everybody to kind of calm down and don't hit the glass. She was a calming force. And that guy cold-bloodedly shot Ashley Babbitt, and they gave him a medal. And Biden mm-hmm. talks about it's not it's not uh, political. It's it's history. He's a lion sack of Jawea, as uh, Chris Plant would say. Well, let me ask you a question now, because I heard that audio. I heard the speech last week, and and besides the speech, one thing really stuck out in my mind. I'm going kind of to the left here. Is Joe was sitting there looking very stern and straightforward, and. His voice didn't sound like the Joe Biden one, wow. <laughs> and it, it was very, very different. And I was like, "Going, wait a minute! It actually sounds bigger and bolder." And I'm doing this on purpose because if you listen to that audio, I'm going, "The Joe Biden of ten years ago, oh. and now, oh. <laughs> and the voice of then of all time, and now." Are different. Do we have two different people hey, posing as Joe Biden? I we talked about this last week. You can look it up for yourself, folks. But there was a CIA uh, officer back in the nineties who was in charge of their disguise division, and they they were responsible uh, for the making of masks and things like that. Here's what I'd like somebody to do. In in 1995, you could stand three feet from somebody who was wearing one of their disguises, and you couldn't tell it was a disguise. So they said, well, how do you think it is now? She said, I can only imagine that it's only gotten much, much better. Here's what I'd like somebody to do that's in the broadcast community, because we have those things, and, and they're the spectrum analyzers. And one thing that doesn't change over the years, you know, your voice might seem different in tone, but that spectrum analyzer is going to tell you whether this guy is the real deal or he's not. I would go back. I would grab that speech, compare it to old speeches by Joe, 
and other speeches. And I bet you, you're going to find differences, not little differences and little nuances, but some major differences. Now, the layman wouldn't understand that, but I would understand that, that we are being punked. There are times when you see him walking, especially early on, when he was walking across the White House lawn, and he walked like he was a robot. Hmm. I'll leave it at that. Uh, he, uh, he could be anything, and we would not know. Okay? And, and to think that that can happen is to be incredibly naive. I'll just leave it at that. Now, it, it very well could be, Joe, uh, but you have to also understand that there is a technology out there that uh, could have a stand-in for him, you know? I'll leave it at that. Uh, Tucker Carlson had more to say uh, mm -hmm. in his opening, and here's what he said. You remember the pipe bomber who planted explosives outside the Democratic National Committee? Well, those explosives, it turns out, were under a bench at the same moment that Kamala Harris, who had Secret Service protection with her, who swept the building, was there. So how did the U.S. Secret Service miss a bomb sitting in plain sight during its security sweep? Well, we can't answer that because the FBI still, to this day, refuses to release all the security footage. Why? What's going on here? Almost unique among media outlets, Revolver News asked that question. The pipe bomber even looks at camera to head on for some reason. It's very frustrating because we can't see the moment the pipe bomber plants the pipe bomb, but the FBI can. That's because the whole scene should be captured on camera one as well and much more clearly than camera two. Camera one has a clear shot of both benches. If the FBI released the full tape from camera one, we could see the pipe bomber planting the bomb. So somebody planted bombs outside the headquarters of this country's two main political parties. That would seem to be a big story, and yet no one ever mentions it again, including the FBI. In fact, the Bureau won't disclose any information about the suspect, not his height, weight, shoe size, anything. So if they wanted to catch this person, wouldn't they be telling you all they can about who it is? But they're not. Why aren't they? And what was Kamala Harris doing there? Why did she lie about being there? We can't answer those questions. We should be able to. Nor does anyone in authority want to talk about Ray Epps. Ray Epps, of course, is the man who was caught on tape encouraging the crowd outside the Capitol, both on January 5th and 6th, to commit felonies by rushing inside. Now, what's interesting is that the January 6th committee, under public pressure, did in the end interview Ray Epps. Now, we don't have all of the committee's records about that interview. We should, but we don't. But some uh, have been released, and what they tell is a remarkable story. In the testimony that we have, the committee coaches Ray Epps on how to answer questions about his involvement. Quote, I was in the front with a few others. I also orchestrated it. I helped get people there. End quote. Now, Epps admitted that in a text message to a relative on January 6th. He's admitting crimes. He's never been even charged for those crimes. But what's so fascinating is that when those facts came up in his interview with the committee, someone on the committee responds this way, and we're quoting. I just want to understand a little more your use of the word orchestrated. It sounds to me like at this point, when you sent this text, you had turned away in part because of seeing some things that you didn't agree with. Is that right? 
Like when you sent this, you were already on your way from the Capitol because of concerns of people taking it in a different direction. <laughs> Is that the most leading question ever asked in the history of a congressional hearing? Probably. And the whole interview goes on like this. Keep in mind, Rapps is one of the only people caught on camera that day encouraging others to break the law. He's one of the only ones. And yet he's never been charged. And the January 6th committee was on his side. Why was the committee and its members working so hard to help Ray Epps? Now, in his interview with the committee, Rayep said he didn't work for law enforcement. Law enforcement, in a very specifically worded answer, clearly thought through ahead of time. The question is, did Rayep's work or have any contact with any government agency? Did he talk about January 6th before it happened with any employee of the US government? We don't know. We do know that two years after January 6th, long after an awful lot of other people have gone to jail for walking around the Capitol building, Ray Epps is still a free man. He's never been charged, much less imprisoned in solitary confinement like so many others. Why is that? Well, let's just stop lying. At this point, it's pretty obvious why that is. But of course, they're still lying about it. I love it. He says, do you work for law enforcement? I have had no contact. With, I don't work for law enforcement. They said, well, do you have any contact with any intelligence agencies? And he wouldn't answer. He wouldn't answer, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, he didn't deny it. He just said, uh, I have no contact with law enforcement. But that wasn't the question. You know, um, We're not being told the whole story. They're going to have, I hope, a new January 6th committee with this new uh, Congress. And maybe we'll get some honest answers. I would love to see people like uh, like uh, Liz Cheney be questioned about her role in the previous January 6th committee. I'd like to find out what, what she was really doing, working so adamantly to, uh, to hurt uh, a former president. She still is. And now she's after McCarthy. Because during the time of uh, his acceptance, she sent a text with a testimony of uh, something that uh, the that Trump said or supposedly said or that somebody it was what somebody said that he said. Yeah, and well, I'm like the, going, good, the good news is technically Liz Cheney now is irrelevant. Well, is, is irrelevant. Yeah, what's she still doing? And uh, why? Why was that front page news this morning when I got up? Because with her the, sour main, face? the mainstream media will tout her as being somebody of importance, Bill. Oh yeah, and all the bots were out there saying Liz for president in twenty twenty four. Is she going to? Does she think that she, if if she ran for president in twenty twenty four and won it, whether you're a Democrat or Republican? Then you know that then you know who's really controlling the government in the world, yeah. and then you know that everything that we see and will see is nothing but a lie. Well, somebody already announced uh, over the weekend for the presidency. Oh, we yes. talked about this, uh, and you know, Bill, he did it in a place that you would expect him to make the announcement. You want to tell the people where he he made the announcement? 
Didn't he do it across the ocean over in the UK? Yes, he did it on Good Morning Great Britain or something oh, like that. Yeah. Yes. That would be where I would announce that I'm running for president. And we're talking uh, Good morning, Great Britain. Yes. I'm running for president. No, not here. No. <laughs> yes, we're talking oh, that about little shab place across the ocean. We're talking about Mr. Mustache, John Bolton. Here's how it went on uh, Good Morning Britain over the weekend. That's right, Charlotte. Not only is John Bolton a controversial and equally uh, fascinating figure in American politics, but bearing in mind he has made it clear that he wants to derail Donald Trump's campaign to recapture that famous White House behind me. But he's also made a bit of a rare intervention in British politics, telling me of his frustration that Liz Truss, who spent 44 days in Downing Street, was forced to resign. He said he believes that she was a great leader and he also went as far as saying that he uh, was he he widely supported her hugely controversial economic policies and if that's not enough he's also making some big predictions he says like just like him he's also predicting that Boris Johnson may make a bit of a comeback this year from UN ambassador in the Bush administration to national security advisor under Donald Trump. John Bolton has exclusively told Good Morning Britain he wants to become the next president of the United States. What would a John Bolton America look like if you were commander in chief? I would get in to win the nomination and I would do it uh, primarily on the basis that we need a much stronger foreign policy. One of Mr. Bolton's priorities would be to completely reset U.S. foreign relations with countries like Russia and China. And I think it's important that it's understood not just in Moscow, but it's understood in places like Beijing, that unprovoked aggression against your neighbors uh, is not something the United States and its allies will tolerate. Mr. Bolton's main rival for the Republican nomination is former President Trump, who describes him as one of the dumbest people he has worked with in government. I think Trump's support within the party itself uh, is in terminal decline. What would you say to your critics who will obviously watch this interview and they will say, OK, listen, John, you simply don't have the experience. Well, I wouldn't run as a vanity candidate. Uh, if, if I didn't think I could run seriously, then, then I wouldn't get in the race. And in an extraordinary defense of former Prime Minister Liz Truss, Mr. Bolton said he was disappointed she was ousted from office. I think it was very, very sad, very, very unfortunate for the United Kingdom. The policy she and her chancellor, the exchequer, were recommending seemed to me to be perfectly sensible. His opponents say he lacks in popularity, but a defiant John Bolton is preparing for a fight. Noel Phillips, good morning, Britain. That guy has never seen a war that he, he doesn't like. Uh, his idea of a, of a great USA is a country that's in constant uh, global military turmoil. There must have been something wrong with my headphones or my monitor, but it, it's happened before when Bolton speaks. Yes. I mean, I, what I hear, have you ever had a, a balloon, a party balloon? Yes. And you blew it up as big as you could. Yes. And then you just let it go. <laughs> All I hear when I hear Bolton. Yes. He, he is, uh, I think that I would like to, if, if he runs for president, I would like to see Bill Knight run for president because I think he would get more votes than John Bolton. I'd Bo at least get one. Yours, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know the thing. The thing win, then. The thing about the thing about Bolton, truly, he he's a warmonger who's never gone to war. You notice how a lot of guys are like that. I mean, Lindsey Graham, he's a colonel in the military, you know, but I think it's in like the 
South Carolina National Guard or something, and he doesn't have any history, I believe, of being at war. And uh, but he is a he's a warmonger. He wants us to be more involved. He wants tanks on the ground, our tanks on the ground in the Ukraine now. That's Lindsey Graham. That's an interesting point. You know, when you look at all the leaders, except maybe for Putin, at least he was a he was a KGB guy. He was out doing in the field doing something. Uh, but even he, I don't know that he has any military background either. But, you know, you look at everybody that's a leader from Britain, you know, Charles to, you know, who we have in the White House now, uh, Bolton, who's who's running. Uh, you got Lindsey, who's uh, flapping his jaws. All these people that are sending your children off to war have never fought one single battle or know what it takes. And people may say, well, Donald Trump wasn't in the military. He did go to military school, but did he, he send anybody off that's to war? What I was just going to say he did ended he send wars. anybody off to war. He ended wars. There's yes. the difference, you know? Okay. Now, now I'll respect that. I didn't go off to war and I would be, if I were in, and I'm not running for president, but if I were in office, I would make damn sure that I knew what the hell I was doing before I committed any anybody's son or daughter, you know, to go fight a battle that that I'm sticking my foot into unless unless there was really just cause. Lindsey Graham's closest friend for for years was uh John McCain, who mm-hmm. was a warmonger who wanted us to be involved with different wars around uh, the world. They were happy always when we were in war in Iraq. McCain was a reckless hot dog. Let me just put yeah, it that way. He was, but there was something happening behind the scenes with these people that we don't even know about. Uh, mm-hmm. One more thing before I end: uh, in the Ukraine, there are these salt mines called the Bakhmut salt salt mines, and a prolonged battle at these salt mines has been going on since the war started, and and they don't. People are wondering why are the Russians so adamant about getting these salt mines. I mean, they go down about uh, I don't know three miles, and they go 125 miles worth of mines, and they they believe. I that can they, only think of one reason. They they must have some incredible stuff in those salt mines. Could be you know what you can put in salt and keep it at bay. What? Well, anything. Probably anything. Most, I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, look. You probably, you know what they, you know what they, they, they store, um. Spent movies, movies, uh, old movies are in salt mines to keep them from, uh, degrading the, uh, you know, oxidizing and things like that. There's a lot of things that you can store down in there, but there could also be things in those salt mines that you may not want to know about. Maybe uh, like uh, nuclear weapons. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. That's where you put them. Or maybe uh, uh, some kind of uh, what do they call it? Uh, bacteria war bio know, bio. Thank you very much. My mind uh, started to. I started yeah, there's to slip a lot of things there. you can do, and it's above war. my pay yep. grade. But I do know that you know there are things you can put there that. Um, uh, Whatever you store there, you know I'm not saying that the the uh, Russians are uh, the white knights, and I'm not saying that the Ukrainians are the white knights. I think that there's 
issues on both sides of that war. And I don't think, by the way, one of our soldiers should be involved in that war. But I do think that if you really got behind uh, the scenes, you would probably find that we have advisors on the ground there right now, and they're not telling us. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we're sending them over there as like mercenaries, things like that. But maybe they're working for one of our intelligence agencies. I'm just saying. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, look, you know, apparently we've had our hand in a lot of nefarious things all throughout our history. Yep. And do you think it's going to change now? Hell no, it's not. But we're going to talk about it as long as we have this podcast, and it will continue again tomorrow because, hey, we got a lot to talk about. We probably could make this a two-hour podcast. Well, we could, or we could, uh, we could uh, maybe go three. Go on the you've gone on the air, but I think we're at a, a good point because we have just enough time to talk about what we want to talk about, and not a you know, but not enough time to go ahead and get lost and boring. So yes, and we're fun. not annoying our audience by rambling on for the sake of rambling on. Um, well, speak we, for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, again, our number is 833-538-7868, 833-538-7868. Mail at itsanotherday.com or it's mail at crnamerica.com. Your choice. And you know what? If you got uh, something you want to say, you want to comment on the shows or show, or you've got a thought that maybe you're going, you know, this has been bothering me for a while. You never know. Um the one thing, the very least we can do is nothing, uh, or we can look at it and pontificate on it and maybe go, you know, that's a good point. Yeah. And so-and-so so and so that- from, from Phoenix sent this in, and uh, we appreciate it, and, you know, we'll even give you credit. Yeah, credit. I mean, I'm, I'm not really interested in what color socks Joe wears or Putin wears, but if it's something a little more well, that's not what you, that. that's not what you said to me before we started the program you were telling well, me sh- 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 you wanted to know about their socks I mean, yeah gonna... i know yeah are they holy or not <laughs> you know hey friends have a great day bill we'll talk to you tomorrow see you buddy the voice of freedom crn america